0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman. Welcome to our latest lecture. And this was a title that was given to me by Meg Richman at UCSD. And uh, this was one of the talks at her recent course. And I thought I'd share this with you. And what I was trying to do in this talk was focus on cardiac CT or coronary CT to be more specific, but really approach it from the perspective of people perhaps who aren't doing coronary CT on a daily basis and really Go through stuff that I think everybody should know and so I did ask the question and it's interesting when you ask the question how many people are currently doing CT coronaries and or in your group and if you're doing it when are you doing it I think one of the things I realized when you speak at general meetings probably about 10% of people are doing cardiac CT 10 to 15% at most and when they do offer it they offer it Monday to Friday usually about uh, eight to five so although the technology has improved incredibly it's still a study that's not used everywhere. and There are a number of different reasons, and I won't go into them. But again, let me go through some of the things that you need to know. And I'll try to do this sort of as a case-based approach. Now, unfortunately, uh, I don't see you in the audience exactly right this moment, and so I can't have you raise your hands. But when I ask a question, just raise your hand, and make believe you're in the, you're in, you're in the big room. So anyway, this is a 55-year-old who presents with chest pain, uh, had a coronary CT scoring prior to a CTA. And here are just a couple of images. And you can see the patient has a calcified plaque in the LAD. The Agatston score was 137. So it's an elevated score for a 55-year-old male. And then I ask you a few questions. Are you required to do a calcium score before performing a CTA of the heart? The answer is no, you're not. But the answer is that most people will do it because if the coronary show no stenosis, the calcium score will give a risk stratification for the patient. Now, in terms of when don't we do it, the issue came about in part because as the dose for coronary CTA has decreased, the calcium score becomes a bigger part of the entire dose, and perhaps we don't need it on every patient. That might be one way of decreasing dose, and I think what people tend to do is routinely do it, but focus on patient's age. So in a patient under 30, we're not gonna do a calcium score typically. Over 30, we indeed will. And again, the dose is gonna be small, the dose across the entire study is smaller, but anything you can do to decrease dose is important, but again, you don't wanna decrease the information. And so this article we mentioned, perhaps under 30, the chance of calcium being present is low, and perhaps it's just not worthwhile. Often the coronaries on the 30, you're worrying more about coronary artery anomalies or other processes like fistulae, and so the use of coronary calcification scoring is not gonna be that helpful. But you know, you could do it, and there are many ways of decreasing dose from inner reconstruction to lower tube voltage to minimizing the length of coverage. There's work being done perhaps getting calcium score from the uh, enhanced studies, which would actually obviously mean you would not need to do that non-contrast study. But again, it's things to think about. In this article by Earls, looking at the ACR appropriateness, criteria coronary artery calcification scores, a macrovascular injury that correlates closely with overall atherosclerotic burden, Again, the important thing about calcium score is you're not looking to grade or detect stenosis. You're really providing information for current risk prediction models. Now, in that article, they spoke about different risk stratification. Again, this is somewhat controversial, but many people follow it. Patients who are low risk perhaps don't need to get calcium scoring, and you can see it only had a three as a rating. The key group is that intermediate risk. The question here is, do you treat the patient aggressively or not? And again, here it could really stratify patients. And so you can see the rating was an eight, so a very, very high rating. Uh, In the third group, which is the high risk group, it was felt that it really wasn't indicated in part because if you're in the high risk group, you should be treated aggressively from a clinical perspective. Regardless if your score is a thousand or zero, if you're in a high risk group, your medical treatment should be very, very aggressive. And so again, in that scenario, it got a low score because it's not gonna change anything. So its value is gonna be very limited. Going back to that same case, I did ask the question, what's the likelihood of stenosis in this patient? Well, You can look at the answers, but the correct answer would be impossible to determine because that's the issue with calcium scoring. You're looking and measuring the amount of calcium present, you're not looking at stenosis. Remember, you can have a high score and minimal stenosis or a low score and a lot of stenosis. You can have near vessel occlusion and a score of zero. But it's important to recognize what the calcium score is giving you and what it's not giving you. Now, we do know the prevalence of coronary disease in non-calcified segments is lower than in segments with calcification, so calcification indeed is a good marker, and this article by Nirseer goes further that 25 million people die of stroke of heart disease with 80% of the burden occurring in developing countries, and half the patients, the initial presentation is myocardial infarction or sudden death. So obviously we want to intervene earlier and that's where calcium scoring works because conventional risk factors are probably in the 65% range, up to 80% perhaps, but it's more in the 60s and so we aren't treating all the patients who need to be treated and perhaps calcium scoring will take this one step further. There are articles about, this article by Nassir makes the point that a zero score is the most powerful negative risk factor. It's important to remember what a zero score means, and I just want to make the point that a zero score does not necessarily mean you have normal coronary arteries. It means you have no coronary artery calcification, but as this article by Lau shows, the absence of calcification does not exclude coronary artery disease. In this article by Kelly, they looked at patients with non-calcified plaque, a zero score, and many of these patients had, at cath, uh, moderate stenosis, or greater than moderate, five had severe stenosis, and many of these patients ended up going for uh, stenting or angioplasty. So again, zero score is terrific, but you need to recognize that a zero score is not the same as saying normal coronary arteries. We also wonder, perhaps, is it Uh, related to population, and the answer, in fact, is yes, that African Americans tend to have lower scores. They can have high-grade stenosis with a score of zero. So again, you want to be careful how you use calcium scoring, knowing the population that you're dealing with, and this article by Nance makes the point that it may yield an underestimation of total plaque burden in African Americans, and so it's important to recognize that problem, and you know treat the patients uh, uh, differently as well. Now, a couple other questions: on routine chest CTs, looking for pneumonia, looking for a lung nodule, you see coronary arteries that are calcified. You should you report them? Again, these days scanners are faster, so you have very nice scans without motion. In the old days, you had lots of motion, and you couldn't really be certain whether or not there was calcification. Now it's really easy to see. Now you can't do a score, but at least you can say there's calcification the LAD, calcification in circumflex, it looks like a lot of calcification. And the answer is you should report it because it can be the most important finding you make on that examination. This article by Williams found that people often do not report it, but it needs to be reported. Here, here he mentioned that 58% uh, had some rep- had calcification, but in less than half of these patients, was it indeed reported? So it's very important as part of a routine chest CT, if you see calcification to mention it and even mention perhaps, perhaps this patient needs to go further evaluation if it has not already been done. And this article by Williams does make the point that there is underreporting of cardiovascular calcifications on non-CTs uh, of the thorax. With coronary artery disease and again we have so much information we should take advantage of that and provide that information uh, maybe on a routine basis only in terms of uh, gross description now a couple of questions is there a definite increase in mortality when the Agassin scores over a thousand and the answer is yes articles by Patel make the point that increasing plaque in coronary arteries continues to predict a greater decrease in survival, and a thousand seems to be a good number. And as the number in fact gets higher, even over two thousand, mortality rate eight, seven point five, and thirteen point two times higher than a patient with score zero. So you can see that uh, the complications are often acute. Others are often going to be chronic. The whole idea of a phenotype over a thousand Uh, really makes a massive difference in terms of management decisions. Patients are asymptomatic, what do you do about it? It's not like something you can just ignore and it becomes very important. So again, we're learning how to use the calcium score even better in terms of triaging patients and its general meaning. Okay, let's go to the next question. Another patient, chest pain and his calcium score, his Agassiz score is 1186. It's a very high score and you can see it here And the question I ask is, would you do the CTA in this patient? And there was lots of discussion about, is there a score where you should not do the CTA, that the chance of you getting a successful exam is very low? It's a good question, uh, but, and everyone agrees you should not do it if you're not gonna get a good uh, score, and you're not gonna get a good calculation of the patient's coronary artery stenosis, And when you ask people what do they do, they will typically do the study anyway. Remember the calcium score is not done at the time of the study, and even though people in their mind say high scores, you shouldn't do it, they typically will do it. And when we ask questions, you scan patients with with extensive plaque, what's your definition of extensive, is there a score, what's the score? Everyone said under 1,000, we'll feel comfortable doing it, over 1,000 we won't. But uh, in many scenarios, we still are doing it. We do not have a cutoff score. And this article by Heck makes the point that you really don't need to have a cutoff score, but what you need to have is the understanding that the more calcification, the longer it will take to interpret the study, the harder the interpretation will be, the more inaccuracies, the less reproducibility. So you need to be good at it. If you haven't done many coronaries, and you'll be doing a coronary... uh, exam with lots of calcification and you're going to have a real hard time coming to some conclusion. So I think it's important to really recognize particularly when you're getting started the limitations or the challenges you will have. Now in this article by Torres they make the point that uh, coronary calcium is a gatekeeper and there's no established upper limit that can be used for saying when not to do a study. So our experience is we're going to do the study. Again, it may be trickier, it may be more time-consuming, but we're gonna do the study. And so for example, that case I mentioned a few moments ago, over 1100. Here it is, the coronary CTA, you see the LAD stenosis, you see the more distal calcified and non-calcified plaque, but you see the high-grade stenosis. This patient had a stent place and the patient did well. But you can see if you took a score of 1,000, you wouldn't have done it. So it's important to recognize High scores, you may have some problems at select points, but over the global perspective, you should be able to do okay. Now we do know that, or at least we can ask the question, uh, calcium and quality of scans, what's the relationship? Here's a score of 157, the plaque has positive remodeling, it's not impacting me. But in this patient with 2600, a lot of areas are going to be very, very hard to evaluate. Or look at this case, 3677. That's a lot of calcium. And how are you going to be certain? But you know, you do look carefully at these studies. And if you look really hard, although it is somewhat difficult, you can see in the proximal LED, there's a zone of non calcified plaque that's occluding the vessel. So, although the study is somewhat limited perhaps in generics because of the extensive calcification you still can make a very accurate diagnosis of LAD occlusion and here it is again on select views and a few more views so indeed it becomes very very important you can see that um, the clinical utility of CTA to identify a patient with obstructive coronary disease has been defined. Um, However, its utility for determining the presence of substantial CAD in a segment is limited by the presence and extent of calcification, okay? So there's no doubt about it. I'm gonna tell you we need to do it, and it's gonna be very time consuming, but it needs to be done. You need to be able to look. And we are doing things, image reconstruction techniques, Uh, Iterative reconstruction, for example, can help reduce artifact. Uh, So it becomes a very important tool and something that, uh, again, we will look at in the future. We've done some work. People have done some work also with dual energy. Can you remove the calcium? You can theoretically and you can in practice, but it removes too much of a normal vessel. And so it's really hard. We need to figure out how to melt the calcium away and get all the information on the uh, interface. But again, that's going to be very difficult. Let me just finish up here with a couple more points. Can calcium scoring be used to triage with chest pain? And of course, based on everything I told you a few moments ago, the answer is it cannot. Because you don't know from a high score is a stenosis or from a low score it's uh, highly stenotic. So we don't know all of the information And so it can be challenging. So you look at this patient, the score is zero, but look at that high-grade LED stenosis. Zero is the best score you can get. We would have discharged the patient, yet there's a high-grade stenosis seen on multiple views in the curved planar as well as on the 3D views. So again, it's not perfect because, you know, this is a critical finding. This patient was stented, they did well, but if you went by the calcium score, you would have read things as zero or this patient with right coronary artery occlusion, and you could see there was nothing under non-contrast. There's the severe stenosis in the right coronary artery, basically, for all intents and purposes, occlusion of the vessel. And here it is as we stretch it out. You can see plaque in the circumflex. You can pick up in the background there. uh, As we come down, looking through the areas of stenosis, again, the vessel is occluded, the calcium score was zero. So it's a very, very important thing. Again, people have written articles about the chest pain scenario. And again, uh, you can't do it. Way back when people did it, it seemed logical, but it's not logical. So with that, let's stop there. So I've covered calcium scoring, what a zero score means, differences between populations, how you can use calcium scoring, how you can use calcium scoring, And why don't we stop there and let's come back and do a few additional cases. And part two will follow momentarily. See you then.